Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello and welcome to Been There Done That on Joy 94.9 on this Boxing Day. Oh, I'm exhausted, fellows. I'm Chris and with me in the studio we've got Gordon and Phil. Hello, gentlemen. Good afternoon, evening, good night. It's been a long day. (laughs) And it sounds like you're a little bit shattered. Oh, But I'm not a Christmas person, of course, but yes. You're glad it's over and done with? Beautiful. It's lovely. It's all over. It's yes. only a, it's a, a year away. Oh, God, do we have to wait another year? I've spent the whole day <laughs> boxing. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we hope you've had a pleasant Christmas and that you're surviving the season, as they say. I don't know about your tummy, but mine is a little on the extended variety. Well, I tried to keep mine within reason. To get the, I'd like um, to keep mine within my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> and his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you indeed. Thank you indeed. Yes, I'm here all week. Try the beetle. That's that old stand-up comic routine. When they say a really bad joke, you get the boom tish. And they say, thank you, thank you, I'm here all week. Try the veal. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've never seen one of those comic shows well, with a boom tish. Ah. We'll see you've got standards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't help that. Definitely. Oh, Boxing Day. Why was it called Boxing Day? Well, there's several versions of Boxing Day. One was the fact that it was the day when the master of the house would give presents after Christmas to the staff and stuff would be put in boxes for them. And that was called Boxing Day because of that. But there's another there's another version of it as well that it's something to do with other boxes that appeared around that time or something it's just a it's doesn't it's an opportunity i I thought to support the poor by being humble and generous that's right yeah yeah and so they were boxed prezzies bits and pieces from out of the household that they didn't need anymore oh yeah that sounds about right pre-loved we were told that we had to box up our christmas presents because we were going away on holiday to clean up the house you put them back in their boxes okay but the trouble is that a lot of people threw the stuff away that was in boxes and now and, the, and if, they if keep the, the boxes no no the boxes if they had have kept the, the whatever they got in the boxes they would become twice as valuable with the with the original packaging if you wanted to save something like a train set or something rather if it comes in the original packaging the price goes up immensely for collectors Explain that to a seven-year-old when you say you can't play with your new toy car. <laughs> oh, well, no, you can play with it, but you keep the box so you can be... Oh, it's the, no, it's the unopened, no. the big prizes. 
Oh, righto. Okay. Yeah, there's often a tension in, in some of the comedies on TV where people do get a present like this and then they're faced with the problem of actually opening. Can we can we get it out or by breaking the seal? No. And it's it's like a hard drive. Once you break mm. the seal on that, it mm. is done but, for. But I watch that Antiques Roadshow program and on that yeah. they are always saying, have you got the box that this came in? Because oh. if you had <laughs> if you had the box that this came in, it's worth, say, $600 rather than 100 you know, because still I, a collector. I've still got the box my virginity came in. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I have standards and I wasn't going to say that. I, wasn't, I wouldn't <laughs> but say you, that. You, you got the box I've then? still got the box that came in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would imagine that you get quite a few useless gifts and not only would the box be thrown out but the gift as well well what you have is you have a cupboard where you rewrap the gifts that you've got that are useless or you've already read or you've already done something and you give them away to somebody else for a birthday present or something or other like that yeah to That's, somebody you don't like. You re-gift, but you make sure you don't give it back to the person that gave it to you originally, <laughs> which happened with somebody that I was listening to on the radio. She'd received a book and she'd given it back to the lady that's given it to her. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. It must mean that there's a lot of pollution generated from all these wrappings. Well, yes, especially if you've got a, a lot of children around with everything all wrapped up and they just rip it open and oh. they just want to get it out, get out to it. And they've I, got I'm, this. I'm sorry, I come from the generation where we had to gently unwrap yes. and then fold the paper up afterwards and reuse it as best we could. Even if it was lining the drawers where your socks lived. I hate seeing this frantic rush to all the presents at the bottom of the tree and people go berserk. And, and I don't know whether we, the way we did it in our family is a good one or not, but one person was appointed as Father Christmas's deputy and that person would hand out the presents one by one and the next present wouldn't be handed out until the present that was being unwrapped was completely unwrapped and the person who received that present thanked the giver hmm. it was a very slow process well we do we do that with our chris kringle you take it yeah. in turns to give somebody the chris kringle mm. and mm -hmm. it's respectful mm. we had the disrespectful frenzy <laughs> every year <laughs> once you've got five kids it's every man for himself every, oh. yeah, yeah. it's lucky you don't give nintendo games anymore these days do you or do you i don't know about well, much about nintendo uh, but in japan where they were watching a nintendo thing on the television and that all the children were went into uh, almost well, 700 kids apparently yeah, 700 children young children were hospitalized following the broadcast of a cartoon mm. and that triggered uh, epilepsy or this spasming which is now called nintendo you get the same sort of flashing and cycling of lights to disturb your brain was but here it was it was it contagious that's was not really the way epilepsy or those sort of effects really should occur but they were all watching the same show on the television apparently where they had flashing uh, red lights of the of the one of the characters yes, on pokemon it was oh, which I've Pokemon. never ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was what caused it. But, but then again, you see, it's still that's still current even today because a lot of people are affected by the flashing lights of bicycle riders with flashing tail lights, the the red tail light. Yeah. That can send people that are susceptible to it can make them feel very very sick. 
And also, I had a client when I was working for the AIDS Council. She had to wear dark glasses inside because the, the, the flickering of the fluoro tubes would send her off, you know, make wow. her feel very unwell. Yeah. So it, it's it, the flashing. It's, yeah, it's adverse stimulation of the brain. The brain can't Somewhere along process. Somewhere mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it says... Yeah. yeah, so I think modern games are written with this knowledge. And knowledge, they don't do it anymore. Won't again, yeah. Which is good. That's Boxing Day. Yes. <laughs> and we've got to wait another year for that. Oh. What about all the food left over? Oh, I, I, I pigged out. Then there is now cold cuts of this and that and the t'other and half a carton of custard oh, yeah. to be eaten up. And, yeah. oh, I don't know. No, well, I, I go, uh, we have a family thing. I had a nice Christmas dinner and then was able to leave. So yeah. it was, I didn't have to take anything home. I didn't have anything over. <laughs> I didn't have any oh, food left over. Very sensible, yes. Yes, yes. yes. So, yeah, that's the best about having to go out for Christmas well, Day. Well, I'm sure Phil has got a little four-legged food disposal unit at his house. Oh, he's a very fussy disposal unit. Yeah? You can't give him vegetables or fruit. Oh. He's not silly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he does, he loves his lamb and his chicken. Yeah. Golly gosh, we've got a piece of music coming up, hopefully. Right. You're enjoying 94.9, Bill, Gordon and Chris. to a Joycast from GLB, TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris, croaky voice Chris, been there, done that. We're Hope you've had a pleasant Christmas or festive occasion. Yeah, festive. You're, you're having trouble with your I'm equipment, ha- are you, Yes, I'm, well, I've always had trouble with my equipment, but this, I'm, <laughs> I just play with it till it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> If you play with it, it'll never get better. <laughs> oh, right. um, or was that if you pick it, it'll never get better? Yeah, something like that, yeah. But we're still on Boxing Day, which is a, a, a day of uh, rest and recuperation. It after. is, except for some people. No, they're the silly idiots that get out on the water and go sailing down to Hobart. Oh, I know. Isn't that a bit freaky? But no. They're rich, silly idiots. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, it, it, I've, I, ha, having been a sailor, I reckon I would, that would be absolutely wonderful to do that at least once. To go on the Sydney Hobart yacht race. Oh yeah, it'd okay. be nice and once in my life to say hello, sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney to Hobart yacht race is a major event held annually on Boxing Day, mm-hmm. and it's hosted by the Cruising Yacht Club of Australia. And 
It's about 630 nautical, nautical miles, miles because you use nautical miles when you're on the sea. But really, in other terms, it's about nearly 1,200 k. And it's a bit ironic because two days ago there was this old guy with a white beard checking to see if he'd be nautical or nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Here we are being nautical again. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> it's keeping it in the season, isn't it? It is. And <laughs> the value of the yachts that is involved oh, in the race. Millions is, is, of dollars. Yes. And mm. they come from all over the yeah, world. Yeah, they, they've been coming now from, um, they come out from Britain. They've come from the South America. They've come from Japan. They've come from all over the place now because it, it is recognised as one of the great ocean yacht races of the world. Well, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's a very tough one because when you go across Bass Strait, you get all that current zooming through the... The through Bass Strait and and also the wind and the weather it changes very very hard sometimes well what that year when they had to rescue everybody from with the helicopters mm. uh, those helicopter pilots they should have been given medals I'm, I'm waiting to hear a good point why would you do this <laughs> <laughs> there must be prize money involved no there's not it's just a kudos pure kudos of being the first to cross the line the well, first one to get there well I was going to say there. I'd never sort of heard the prize like you do for the, oh, they the get Melbourne a, Cup I think they get a, a, a cup or something rather presented yeah. with a trophy but, but it's, uh, it's no, not, there's no, no spending money so no, you've got to have the there's no prize money really to, to help fix up your yacht and repair it for, ready for next year no. I'm just glad it's not compulsory <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse oh. well at least by the time you get down to uh, Hobart uh, the weather should be a little calmer because well, you've been protected by going the up the Hobart River coming. and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, one little person who's going to do a trip. She's from, leaving from Hobart, isn't she? Well, she's already left. She's on the high seas. Yes, that's right. She is uh, too. Miss Anne, yes. here from the office, is heading down south from mm. Hobart on a boat. And one of a select group of people, Anne's going to tell us all about it. We cornered her in the studio here before she left and... This is what it's all about. On December the 1st, 1959, the Antarctic Treaty was signed, ensuring the protection of the world's most remote and inhospitable continent. It's the driest and coldest continent on Earth, and the continent itself doesn't support any animal life, but the Antarctic waters and the coastline are teeming with marine animals, birds, fish and invertebrates. The continent is often referred to as the last frontier, being a remote and still relatively pristine wilderness. And the Antarctic Treaty was signed, as I said, in 1959, and 12 countries signed that document, including Australia. And Australia has been actually quite busy down there in the last century or so, exploring the country. And Australians themselves are still interested in Antarctica. We have flights that go over there, we have uh, expeditions that still go to Antarctica, and we have tourists that go on boats. And our fellow volunteer, Anne, is taking herself there this summer season. Anne, welcome to being there, done that. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, what has interested you in going to Antarctica? Not the cold, surely. Oh, I love the cold, so that doesn't worry me. Um, I guess two things. Oh, no, it's no secret I love birds and there's lots of penguins down there. But particularly this tourist expedition, I'll call it, attracted me because we get to visit Mawson's hut. So it's like walking in the steps of Mawson and his fellow explorers for a very brief moment in time. 
Mawson and the rest of the exploration teams down there left a lot of their things behind and the building got buried under snow and it's been revealed again with the melting of snow. Mm. Well, it actually filled with ice is the problem and the Mawson Hut Foundation was formed I think in the late 90s to restore it so it's been a very gradual process with expeditions going down there because they can't go and stay winter so they can only go down in the summer and they're gradually restoring it so they're melting the ice and they're repairing timbers that have been split smashed by the ice just the sheer weight and force because mm. as we know ice expands it does um and it's now um, the foundation permits folk like myself, tourists, to visit the hut. So I'm going on one of one only expedition from Australia to visit Mawson's hut what, in December. What sort of distance do you have to travel from your, your watercraft to the actual hut? I actually don't know that, but it's at Commonwealth Bay. So we, we will navigate from Hobart past Macquarie Island and down to the... Antarctic mainland mm. to the Commonwealth Bay area and weather permitting ice conditions that we will board little Zodiac, the rubber dinghy things and head to the ice shelf or, or land. Because um, the conditions that Mawson described weren't very nice. <laughs> they were pretty bleak. They were pretty bleak, yes. But we're going in summer. He had to overnight an extra year in part of his history through a winter, so that would have been pretty nasty. Yeah. But we're going in summer. Yes, there will be snow and there'll be ice and it can snow and um, it's the driest continent on the planet, I believe, so it actually doesn't rain, but it does snow. So I'm not sure. It's near the coast, I know, because okay. it's Commonwealth Bay, so you do shore excursions. and this So is we the don't have to worry about you trudging through ice and snow and Yes, yes, I will be doing that. But, but not it, much, hopefully. But with um, the expedition staff go ashore first, there's a landing party and they okay. said they find the safest path to get where we're going, whether it's Mawson's Hut or exploring a bay. Or mm -hmm. And have you got all your um, winter clothing, uh, your woolies and all the rest of it packed I do, I do. I yeah. have the thermals and the, the special winter boots, the polar jacket, the neck warmers and the gloves and... Everything uh, is that is that easy to buy here in Australia, or do you have to go to specialist shops or what? Um, you can you can buy all of this stuff online. Um, I'm not a big fan of shopping online, but I've borrowed the polar jacket from some very good friends. I have bought the boots because you just can't go and expect that'll be okay with just your good walking boots. So they're special. They're like gum boots, I guess. Got a rubber sole, but they're neoprene on the sides, so they're comfortable to wear, but they keep the snow and the ice and the cold out. And your last holiday would have been a precursor to this, wouldn't it? Because you were up in Iceland. <laughs> I was up in, <laughs> yes, the, so, um, I mean, in the Arctic <laughs> You're ocean. up in the Arctic, and now you're coming to the Antarctic. Yeah, yeah I've, so I've been quite... Um, spoilt this year with a couple of holidays and it's just so happened I'll be in both polar regions in the same 12 months so well, there's very a bit, special there's a bit for a bucket list isn't it I was yeah. going to say not too many people can say that did you want to always go to the Antarctic or was this the other half of visiting the poles I always wanted to go to the Antarctic and to the Arctic yes but when that would happen if it would ever happen I didn't know I've actually been to Antarctic before. Now, how did you get there before? From Argentina on another expedition ship. Yep, that's, that's where my friends went from Argentina. Yeah, they yeah. had to go from Argentina. Yeah, that's the yep. most common way people yep. go yep. Yep. because the Antarctic Peninsula 
juts up into the Southern Ocean quite a way. So the, to, to navigate to from Argentina, from Ushuaia down, is, is less days at sea than the way that I'm going this time. But at least you're going from Australia, so you won't have to go so far to get to the ship. That's right. And when I you come home, you won't have to have that big flight. A flight to Hobart instead of a flight to Argentina. Santiago, yeah. Buenos Aires and Ushuaia. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a big difference. <laughs> and the ship returns to the southern end of New Zealand to Bluff. All right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I do have an overseas flight to get home oh. from New Zealand. <laughs> oh. Well, that, that's going to be nice. But it, it's, um, I'll tell you one thing you won't go short of. You won't go short of ice for your drinks. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. And also you won't go short of subjects to photograph. Oh. Do you carry a camera? I do. Uh, it's my biggest hobby uh, outside of gardening is photography and particularly animals, birds. So I'm hoping that I'll get to see, you know, whales and dolphins and Many, many different types of penguins. Uh, what I'm really looking, looking forward to is uh, Macquarie Island, which we, is our first stop on the way down. That's where the penguins are. Well, yes, there's four different types there, <laughs> but the royal p- penguin, that's the only place in the world that mm, it exists. Mm. So I'm quite looking forward to that. So what creatures are actually on Antarctica itself, Anne? Well, there's no animals no. There is only um, like coastal areas, as you, you were saying mm. in the introduction, Chris. There's birds, and penguins are birds. Yeah. So, and you've got seals, there'll be whales, orcas, there'll be different types of sharks, there'll be a whole bunch of marine animals and fish, and crustaceans like crabs and. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, but there's nothing that basically lives. Yeah, on there's there's no reindeers or no polar bears or anything or like that. Or no, walruses, no, no, no. It's just it's frigid. It's just the, the the closest thing to something living internally is the emperor penguin, which is the tallest of all the penguins. They can set up their homes a hundred kilometres from the shore inland for protection, so that they don't get eaten by the seals and mm-hmm. and that's where they raise their young. I'm sure you've all seen those documentaries oh, with the male yeah. emperor penguin sitting there with the egg on his feet. They're the ones with the yellow it. black oh, beak, but a yellow, yellow breast. breast. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. quite yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and they walk. 100 kilometres to go fishing. Now, obviously, we're not going to be going 100 kilometres inland, but no. there is a coastal family that, that's on our agenda that I wow. hope to see, which will be another special moment. But I suppose there's restrictions on how close you can get to this wildlife. Oh, yes. it's It would probably be my last experience. It's two metres. And if they're young, it's five metres because they're... When they're young, they're quite stressed if they happen to be away from their, their parents mm. as well or if they're molting, they're even more stressed. So there will be chicks because they would have all just recently hatched. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. And our guest is our workmate, Anne, who's travelling to the Antarctic. Stay tuned. There's more. Ezekiel Crying. Connected to you, knee bone, your knee bone connected to you. 
Listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station Joy 94.9. You're listening to Gordon, Chris, and Phil. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. And our guest is our workmate Anne, who's travelling to the Antarctic. So, how long will you be away altogether? Altogether? Hmm. Six weeks. But down travelling to and from the Antarctic, hmm. oh, that yeah. expedition is 26 days. That's something um, to look forward to. Very, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people go down by plane and fly mm. over and come back, but that's 13 hours each way, I think, and that's not the same as... No, I think it's 13 hours altogether. Is it? Oh, yeah. right. But anyway, yeah. it's, it's certainly not like 26 well, days. My very experience. good friends that have lent me their, their polar jacket, they, they did that. And I've seen their photos, and it's extraordinary to see the Antarctic from the air, to see mm. the mountains and the glaciers just running like a river. And the ice flows that breaking up. We've got a bit of a worry with global warming. Gordon, I think you were saying... There was a huge fissure in the ice cap, apparently, it's, and, uh, and there's a piece of land that's about the size of Tasmania that could sort of break away. A piece of ice? Ice, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah there is. Yeah. There's pieces of the ice shelf that break off every year. That's mm. where your icebergs come yeah, from. Yeah. When I did the previous trip with my friends, there was a, an iceberg that we came across that was the second one we saw, but this second one could see it from a distance and then you get closer, closer and I'm thinking, when is this going to end? As we were navigating around it, it was 19 kilometres long mm. and nine kilometres the other way and it was as tall as a four-storey building yeah, and it's the, floating in the sea. But the, the rest of it is underneath, which is that there's more underneath than there is on top. Oh, not the ones from the ice shelf. The Isn't ice it? shelf oh, ones, um, more is above because oh, it's, right. it's grown on the sea, yep, yep, yep. so the, don't sink. there's less. Yep, it's when yep. they the glaciers break off, mm-hmm. they, when they That's, carve, yeah. they form those icebergs ah. that have 80% underneath and only 20, yes, 20 yes. above. Yes. They're the one, the pretty ones, the ones that everybody photographs because they're all very interesting shapes, whereas yeah. the tabular icebergs are the ones that break off the ice shelf. They're basically flat on the top and flat on the side. Yeah. Now, not that we'll be able to see them, but presumably you can share all your photos as you're going along uh, via your social media. Not while I'm on the ship, Chris. Um, no. I won't have internet for those 26 days. So when what? I get to New Zealand, I'll do a quick upload. You, of you mean to say when we go onto your your Facebook side, we'll be having reams of photos to look you'll at? You'll be having static <laughs> until the until I get back to New Zealand. But, but, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. When you get back to yeah. New Zealand, we'll, we'll, we'll be having out photos. of contact. No mobile phones for 26 days. What a that's piece. Only, no, that's okay. Well, that's why up it's in the Arctic, ho- it was the same. Yeah. No, no um, that's internet. That's why it's called a holiday. Yes, that's yeah. right. There's plenty of things to do. They'll, they'll have a library and they'll have lectures and they'll have films. How many are going to be with you on the boat? The passenger load is maximum of 48 and it is full. And the crew and staff on board? Um. I actually I don't know how many exactly, but I would imagine the crew would be about thirty or maybe more because it's running twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. So you've got the the um, the captain and the first officer and the navigator and all those. Then you've got the engineers and you've got the, got the cabin. You've got the cabin staff, crew. You've got the, wait the staff. You've got wait the, staff the and you've cooks, got the cooks, the, 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 yeah, kit, yeah. the chefs. Um, yeah, that's right. Mm. And, yeah. and it is purely a tourist 
trip. It's totally tourist, but it's um, the tour company, and I won't give them a free plug, but they have gone into partnership with the Mawson Hutt Foundation, so it's helping to raise money by having this special trip. The scientific expeditions that go, and they go all year round, they're really specialised vessels that go there, but I presume yours is a little bit special too. It is special. Um, It can break ice. The, The hull is designed to lift onto the ice, so it It'll just steam ahead and it'll go onto the ice. The weight of the ship will break the ice and that's how it gets through. It doesn't plough through it like some ships do. It breaks it and then it goes again and sits on top, breaks it and keeps going. I reckon if you were having sound sleep at night time and they started going up on things and breaking the ice, you'd be wide a bloody wake. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you would be. <laughs> having experienced that in the Arctic in the middle of this year, that ship went through the ice. So oh. the sound that it makes is, it's not scary. You think it would be scary, mm. but it's not scary. No. It's actually fascinating. And I'm guessing there's not a pool deck pool, or a, water, a, pool deck? a deck that's got a swimming pool. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it'd be more no ice water sk- slides. I think it'd be more ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to uh, mind your step and hang on to the railings. And we're very jealous that you're going to such a wonderful area of the world, but I don't know that I'm all that envious of you going into the cold. Yeah, but you just wear layers and thin layers, not big thick ones. You just wear multiple thin ones and you unzip if you get a little bit hot because you still can sweat in the freezing cold. You certainly don't want to fall in the water because I think you would only last 90 seconds if you did. So... You just have to respect the, the sea, respect the conditions, follow the instructions of the ship's yeah. crew. Yeah. And, and then go to Noosa. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I've been in temperatures of minus 30 in Canada and it's bearable. You just wear the right clothes and it's mm. no problem. Yeah. yeah, and your face freezes a little bit yeah, because well, you, you have, can't cover your whole face. You, but, have, you, yeah. have a, you only have basically have your eyes yeah. covered, uh, uncovered, and even then you've got to be careful of that too. Well, yeah, because they just water they and water then the water, water freezes. freezes. Yeah. Mm. It does sound like fun, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We look forward to chatting with you, hopefully, when you come back, Anne. No, oh. no, you will come back, but hopefully we'll get to chat to you. <laughs> that would be lovely. I'd like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Thanks, Anne, for being a guest on our little Been There, Done That show. And have fun on your holiday. Thank you very much. Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Joy.org.au for the world.
listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station Joy 94.9. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil, being there, done that on Joy 94.9. Oh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> I mean, we've only got the big day, New the Year's Eve. New Year's, Year's Eve, Eve and all those fireworks, fireworks, the waste of money going, and then we're banging off. Oh, yeah. But did you see, it's, well, it's 20000 or or something like that, dollars, but the rest of the cost for the Melbourne one is all the services or that have got to be provided, mm, security mm. and police and things like this. Oh, well, they've got to be out in, in, in lights, force for and, that. You know, yeah. all, all the... Yeah, but the, yeah, it's a bit, it's a very expensive um, way to celebrate. Way to actually the way to celebrate our own national day, which is the first of January, when we become a Commonwealth <gasps> oh, of Australia. He snuck that He's in, trying to be controversial again. <laughs> but I tell you what, somebody who was controversial, he was also had a birthday on the twenty seventh of, of December, was a Frenchman who had who who had a huge effect on the way we live today. Oh, I can't imagine why the, how that would be. Oh, what did he, he do? Oh, he was he was born on in uh, 1822 on December the 27th, and he, he died again on the 28th of September in 1895. So he was 73 years old when he died, which is not bad for that time of the year. Has but he that, got a name? His name was um, Mr. Pasteur, Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur, eh? Louis Pasteur, yes, and. Um, Louis Pasteur, of course, was the where we get pasteurisation, which he um, found that by heating certain things up, it killed microbes and microbiology. Well, yeah, he sort of got the concept of germ he theory a, of disease. He he, he, he got was an infection disease control man. Yes, and he worked out that if you applied heat to some germs, they decided to cark it. That didn't lead to other problems with milk, for instance. Yeah, and he also proved the doctors wrong when they talked about spontaneous generation which they thought that germs just spontaneously were there. And he was able to prove that if there was no germs there, they didn't appear. And so he was he, he disproved the doctors on that theory I was well. a part of the spontaneous generation in the 80s. Were you? We just did anything we wanted whenever we felt like it. <laughs> oh, how spontaneous of you. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> but it was, he was a brilliant man for his time. You've got to remember that, well, perhaps you don't even know, therefore you can't remember... There was lots of diseases running around the world back in his time. He, as we said, he was born in 1822. He died in uh, 1895. So it's the middle of the 19th, 19th century. century. Mm. Rabies and anthrax were rampant. Imagine a world, though, where nothing had been sterilised. Yes, so we well, take it from our position today, yes, that's oh, where right. we're panicking about every single yes. germ in the world. That's right. He came up with the concept of germs. Yeah, but he also came oh, up the way yeah, of, yeah, to yeah, keep it clean. Uh, yeah, but that's brilliant. If it only the person who had thought of w- w- wipes had come up at that same stage. <laughs> yeah, but he, <laughs> but, but, yeah. He, but he was the fellow that uh, realised that all these things were happening because of bacteria, bacteria and he was the one that um, went into that sort of field. We're still thanking him for it. And from there, we've then developed on and on and on. And now we I think we live in the best time ever because of the, the yeah. health But things. he came up with the, the idea of vaccination, which would have been a really hard sell. It's going to stick this needle in you and yeah. it's going to stop you getting these things which we can't see. The modern day anti-vaxxers have got the same concept. They, they you can't see it, therefore... You know, you, you shouldn't be doing anything Yeah, like but this. I think they also think the world is flat. Oh. So I hope that their numbers will thin just through their own ignorance. Yeah, but it's, 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 he was a wonderful, wonderful man, and we should all thank him for what he's been able to start 
which keeps everybody alive so much longer these days, which is the thing. And yeah. we can still drink our milk without getting sick. One thing that I was a bit disappointed with the, the other day when I read about the balcony that collapsed. And that, those two ladies two died. Ladies that passed away, yeah. Oh, it no, was that, just, well, that was great. And it seems that that's quite prevalent, that yeah, balconies yeah. keep balconies. falling off buildings. Well, we, we were calculating it out before we came on air that there was several tonnes of people weight just standing on that section. If you've got 35 people there and they all weigh 10 stone, or I'm going back in the old way, it came up to about 42,000 pounds, which is a few tons of people standing there. And those constructions are never meant to take that sort of weight. And this is the point. Well, they're constructed quite often, the ones that fail, out of timber. Mm. And timber does tend to rot, yeah. especially at the joints. But it's also the weight factor. You know, yeah. I, know I know that the the, Overloading. the the rafters spread the weight and all that yeah. sort of business. But when you get that sort of weight in one small space, that's the end of it. But we'll get, you can go right back to Captain Arthur Phillip, I think it was, who bought in a, a building code way back in the beginning of the... Um, Start of Australia. No, it was actually Governor Macquarie. Macquarie, was it? He oh, yeah, introduced right. a building code in Sydney because people were just chucking up these shanties, mm, and mm. he said, "No, they've got, they've got to be substantial buildings. That's right, and therefore they've got to have a, a proper tin roof and proper solid walls yep. and windows and locks on the doors." Because they used to do wattle and daub in those days. So wattle and daub. Yeah, well, they were. Please explain. Well, wattle was the branches of the trees, and they would be put together in a wall, and then they'd be covered with daub, which was basically mud and that would be the house that'd be the house walls they'd dry and then they'd be impervious and all the rest of it again something i didn't expect to learn today (laughs) in the southeast asian countries especially the coasts the houses there not terribly substantial. They're not substantial. And mm. on the 26th of December 2004, there was a nasty tsunami created from an undersea earthquake. earthquake. Mm. And that huge wave bowled over lots of native villages and plantations and things like this, well, Aceh, yeah. and mm. also in Thailand. Those things are just natural disasters. But, but you've got to remember that those people sort of lived close to the coast uh, in a very flat area because it was easier for them to get out and fish and feed themselves and yeah. grow grow food in the in the quite good oh, soil. The coastal living is wonderful. Yeah. But the animals headed for the hills. They know, they knew it was coming. And mm. one of the most chilling videos I've seen is because before you have a tsunami, the water retracts. That's the, right. The seawater. Goes right out. Mm. So this looked like the whole bay was being drained and mm. people went out to look at it. Mm. Mm. and I'm pretty sure they didn't survive what happened next no, when the water no. came back. Yeah, no. that's right. Yeah. But people, that's the trouble with our curiosity. The animal instinct, they could have well have reacted to the earthquake yeah. and just headed north. Headed north, yeah, they got out of the way. Headed into the hills. Well, don't yeah. they say that you you can always tell a thunderstorm or something or something's going to happen when ants start coming up out of the ground oh yeah there's a big that's, wet that's, that's coming or something yeah yeah that might have more old wives and i think i it. think you'll find that the indigenous population all know, also knew the signs from what the animals were doing as well mm. they would have known that the, there was something coming if the animals started to do something that was totally different because the animals sense something there's some predetermined thing in their yeah, the way they, they work they or something like that. Yeah. Feel the, the air pressure, yes. the ground pressure through there are, their feet. Yeah. There are various theories um, with the USGS in California about animals before earthquakes. Mm. And there seems to be some kind of pre-shock 
signal, right. and they don't know what to detect yet. But the um, you'll often see animals behaving oddly before. We would have quakes over there, like a 5.3 every six months. So it's not major damage or anything like it. It's actually fun. It's when, <laughs> when you double that number, it's no longer fun. Quite amazing that the animals, if you're an animal watcher, you can see things that are happening. Well, yeah. it's not a particularly wonderful time of the year, really, in lots of ways, with the anniversary of Cyclone Tracy and the tsunami. Yeah, 270,000 people were killed in the tsunami. That's swept right through everything. And the worst part about it was when the villagers went back, they had to try to reclaim the, the places where they'd had their houses because they virtually didn't own the places. They'd just been living there for years or something or other. And the, the government, of course, started saying that they needed money for the people to go back there and all the rest of it so and and we i remember there was a big story about the money that was raised in australia we australia raised millions of dollars to give to the people of arche and it finished up in the government departments so it hardly much not very much of it got to the people that needed it not all governments are created equal no they certainly aren't no if, see if that happened here there'd be sufficient protest in the street to oh yes, yes. maybe redirect the funds again but yeah uh, yeah but not so much over there not, not, not those sort of countries, no, no. But anyhow. Well, so, we should be rather grateful of how we exist here. In well, we complain, Melbourne, we, yeah. we complain bitterly about the way our governments operate and sometimes they deserve it. But at least yeah. we, we do have but some control. we complain control. about the heat and we complain about the rain and we complain about the dust. Yeah, I suppose we do. We, we're complaining. We just we're just glad that we're alive we're, to complain. We're a whinging <laughs> lot, aren't we? But it doesn't have to be extremes. In my years in California, we would go most of the year with just warm, sunny days. That is boring. In Melbourne, you dream about that, and then when you get it, you think, oh, where's the thunderstorm? <laughs> well, but, I need something here to But coming from WA, we would have weeks with no rain. We'd, all you'd get was blue sky and a, a few little bits of cloud and lots of bloody wind. Uh, we've got a lot of wind here in the studio. Oh, I think yes. we'd better save some up and see you in the new year. We'll be back for the new year, won't we? Well, unless the world destructs, we're overdue. Unless Donald Trump presses a button or Uh-oh. Kim Jong-un does Let's something as well. nice We'll think nice thoughts for the new year. So we hope you've had a beautiful Christmas and, we'll and looking forward to a wonderful new year. year. Enjoy yeah. your ham sandwiches for the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Phil. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye. Bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.